morning, everyone. Good to see you guys here today at the 11 o'clock service. Uh, I tell you, I love those Acts 2.45 follow-up videos just so we can see uh, all the cool ways that the money that you have given to that fund is just being put to great use in our community and, and literally like around the world. Uh, I heard just a couple of weeks ago that this fund that we started back, I think it was like the second or third week of this pandemic, and we had no expectation of what was going to come in. This fund is now over $200,000 that have been given to it and that has gone out. Sorry, I expected a little bit more of a reaction to that. That's incredible, $200,000. Man, praise God for that. And, and, and because of your generosity, because of the Acts 245 Fund, we've been able to do things like partner with the Community Kitchen uh, to meet people where they are, to help serve people who have been directly affected uh, by COVID-19. And so I'm just so grateful. I've, I've always heard, I've said this before, but I've, I've always heard about Sherwood Oaks' generosity, even years before I came on staff here. And it has been such a blessing to see and be a part of it firsthand, uh, just how this church steps up to meet the needs of, of others. So thank you for everyone who donated. Uh, we're gonna take a, a week actually in October uh, where we're just gonna celebrate the stories and the good work that came from that fund. Uh, and I think, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we could bump that 200,000 mark up to uh, maybe $245,000 to go with the Acts 245 fund uh, so that more can go out and help people during this time. So let me pray, and then we'll dive into our, our text today. God, uh, I'm grateful that in response to your generosity and, and how, Lord, you have given so much to us that, that we get to be a part of a church that is generous, that is giving to others, that is meeting the needs of those who have been affected during this time, that we're not a church that just sat back and waited, but we engaged in, in playing a role in what you wanted to do to minister to people uh, and to provide for their needs during this time. So God, I just pray uh, that as we, move now into your text, that that same heart will just uh, be ours, that Lord, you will speak to us here in this moment, that your voice will be the first and the only one that we hear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, several years ago, I was uh, visiting some friends of mine in Mozambique, Africa. And as we traveled through the country, into villages, into larger cities, uh, I kept noticing an image that looks a lot like this. Uh, it's a statue, and sometimes it would be smaller than this, sometimes it would be much larger than this, but it's a statue of people who are stacked on top of one another, um, each one of them doing a very distinct role, doing a, a, very, a, a different type of activity. And I asked my friend what it meant, and he said that, uh, the Mozambique culture highly values relationships and the unique role that each person plays in the community. And so this statue serves as a reminder that it takes everyone using their gifts, their abilities, their talents, bringing their experiences and their wisdom. It takes everyone pulling together in order to make a community thrive. It upholds the value of helping others. But not only that, it upholds the value of asking for help from others. And can we just have a little confession time right now? 
I'm really bad at asking for help. Any, anybody with me on that show of hands? This is a safe place. This is a safe place. It's okay. Anyone sitting next to someone right now that's like, get your hand up. You know that you're bad at asking for help. Yeah, and I think, you know, we can go, we can spend all sermon talking about why that is, why we have a difficult time asking for help. That's, that's going to be a different sermon for a, another day. Um, but most of us, if we're honest, like, yeah, we don't mind asking for help for other people. We don't mind helping other people, but we struggle with asking for help for ourselves. But think about those times when you have asked for help. Those times when you've worked with a group of people, family, to, to pull together, to work on a project that you didn't have to just do it by yourself. When everyone used their strengths to love and to serve others, those times, isn't it so much more fun and rewarding than just trying to do it by yourself? It's one of the reasons why I love our international furniture giveaway. Uh, last Saturday, we got to serve over 80 international students from 20 different countries and delivered over 400 pieces of furniture to make Bloomington feel just a little bit more like home to our international students who are gonna be attending IU this year. We had a group that got together um, yesterday and served about 20 to 30 more students um, by delivering furniture to them. It took over 130 volunteers to make all of this happen. And, and because of the team effort over the last 16 years, we have been able to serve over 5,000 students from up to 90 different countries. It is an amazing ministry. But could you imagine one person running out there trying to do it all by themselves? It wouldn't happen. Like, there is no way that one person could do this on their own. And that's one of the reasons why the furniture giveaway is such an incredible event because it takes everyone pulling together, realizing that we need one another to really pull this off, to thrive, to reach people for Jesus and to share his hope and, and his love. It takes everyone doing their part, whether it be donating furniture instead of putting it on Facebook Marketplace and making a few extra bucks. It takes people willing to use their gift of administration to organize it and pull it all together. People with the gift of hospitality to welcome students and, and make them feel loved. It takes people with physical strength and guys like me who maybe don't have that physical strength, but we can lift some furniture and, and, and people like you who are willing to carry furniture upstairs and then up some more stairs and sometimes up even more stairs, but to, to deliver it to the apartment where a student will get a lot of good use out of it. It takes people with the gift of generosity to provide funds to make it all happen. Like the reason why the furniture giveaway is such an incredible event is because it takes everyone, no matter what their gift, to pull together, to serve others, to show the love of Jesus and to bring the kingdom of heaven just a little bit closer into someone's life. And I think that this is how God designed the church. It, it's one of the reasons why I think I was so drawn to, to this statue as we, as we went through Mozambique. It, to me, this is a perfect illustration of how God designed and shaped the church to function. I have this sitting in my office as a constant reminder that the church is not built by a single person takes everyone doing their part 
to serve God, to serve others, for the church to thrive. God created the church to function dependently upon one another. And every person in here, every person tuning in right now, if you are a follower of Jesus, baptized into him, filled with the Holy Spirit, you have been given gifts and talents and abilities. And as we use them in service to the Lord, the church thrives and people in our community and around the world come to find the hope and salvation that only Jesus provides. And for us to continue the ministry and fulfill the mission of Sherwood Oaks Christian Church, it takes all of us doing our part, just as Nehemiah and the Israelites did when they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, which is the text that we're gonna be studying today. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app that you like to use, I invite you to turn with me to the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Nehemiah is about a third of the way um, through scripture. If you get to like First and Second Samuel and Chronicles and Kings, um, go over just a little bit more. If you get to Job or the Psalms, back up. You've gone just a little bit too far. Uh, we're going to be studying, uh, kind of doing a broad overview of, of the book of, of Nehemiah today. We're in the third week of our series called Defining Moments, where we are looking at what God might be saying to us in our own defining moments in life and as a church. And as we continue today in the book of Nehemiah, we're gonna see just how important it is for all of us in this defining moment to pull together and use the gifts that we have received to love and to serve others. Now, before we get into our text, I think it'd be helpful to get some historical context so that we, uh, as we drop into it, we kinda, we know what's going on. Um, in 586 BC, the Babylonians swept through Judah, uh, destroying everything, including Jerusalem, and taking the Israelites into captivity. And after 50 years of living as exiles, a, a small group, a very small group, uh, were allowed to return to Jerusalem. 80 years after that, Another group, this time a little bit larger, were allowed to go back to Jerusalem, led by Ezra, to rebuild the temple and restore worship in Jerusalem. And 13 years after that, right, so 586 BC, go 50, go 50 years, go 80 years, about another 13 years, so somewhere around November or December, 445 BC, Nehemiah gets word from his brother and some friends that the walls of Jerusalem are still just in crumbles. That the, that the gates are still laying there, the wood from the gates still burned to the ground. 140 years after Babylonian captivity, living in exiles, the, the, the pinnacle city of Judah is still in shambles. And we see Nehemiah's reaction to this news in chapter one, verse four. This is the, the first person narrative of Nehemiah. It says, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So this news of Jerusalem's disgrace broke Nehemiah's heart. He had hoped that sometime in those, in those first two waves of exiles, they would have been able to restore some of the, the city's glory and, and protection, but that hadn't happened. 
And so after spending some time in, in prayer and in mourning, and, and really we kind of see from the timeline in chapter one, about four months later, four months of praying, Nehemiah approached King Artaxerxes and asked him if he could go back and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And Nehemiah and the king, they were kind of close. We, we find in verse 11 that Nehemiah was a cupbearer. And sometimes we think of that as being a pretty lowly position. I mean, if the wine has poison in it, they're dead. Like this person's typically pretty disposable. But that wasn't the case in Nehemiah. Nehemiah had grown into to really establishing a trusting relationship with, with King Artaxerxes. A lot of this has to do with some family relationships and just other things that, that go into it. And so there was this bond that, that was between them. And in fact, Nehemiah even had a little bit of political clout. And, and so he approaches the king and he asks to be able to go back and, and do this. And the king grants his request. And not only does he grant it, but he sends him along on his way with letters for safe travel as they went through other regions and with letters to other people saying, hey, support the work that Nehemiah is going to do. And so we pick it up in chapter two, verse 11. Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. And so Nehemiah goes out, he gets to Jerusalem, he rests from his travel, and then he goes out one night, kind of underneath a cloak of darkness. He didn't want others to know what he was doing quite yet. And he goes out and he just surveys the damage for himself. This is the first time that Nehemiah would have been in Jerusalem, the city that he had only read about, the city that he had only heard stories of. This was a city that was near and dear. It was central to his faith. But yet this was the first time that he was seeing it for himself. This was the first time he was seeing the destruction of the city for himself. And as he looked upon this once great city, his heart broke he was moved to compassion and he was led to action. We read this in verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me about going and, and empowering the work and, and encouraging others to give to it. And they replied to Nehemiah, let us start rebuilding. And so they began this good work. Nehemiah's companions, this small group of people, they see his heart breaking, moved to tears. And they said, let's get to work. Let's do it. But they also had enough wisdom to know that they could not do it on their own. And what we find in chapter three is an impressive list of names of everyone who pulled together to rebuild the walls. We have young men, old men, we have women, we have fathers and sons, fathers and daughters who all pulled together doing their part to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. No one worked alone. In fact, as you read through chapter three, you see this common phrase pop up over and over. We see the phrase next to them or adjoining them or beside them. And it's used 28 times in the book in chapter three alone, showing how everyone pulled together to work as, as this one body to accomplish the task. 
took everyone doing their part to finish the job. And people focused on the places that they cared about most. They worked on the sections right outside of their homes, next to their businesses. And as each one did their part, the wall was rebuilt. And even when the task was tough, even when they faced criticism, they worked shoulder to shoulder until it was complete. And they faced plenty of criticism. In fact, we even, we even read of, of a group of people kind of standing on the outside mocking Nehemiah and those who were, who were taking part in the work. And they, they're about you know, halfway done with the wall and someone mocks them, laughs at them and says, look at that wall. Even a fox could jump over that. But they didn't let it detour them. They didn't let it distract them. They just continued, continued, continued the work that they were committed to. In grace and humility, they worked things out as they went along. They refused to get distracted by infighting about things that that didn't matter to the mission that they were called to. That's what was most important. And when the task was accomplished, they threw a great big party to celebrate. They committed themselves once again to the Lord and to his word and to worshiping him. And so what does all of this mean to us at Sherwood Oaks? What does this account that took place back in 445 BC speak to us today in 2020? At Sherwood Oaks, we are going through um, some changes of our own. And if you're new with us, um, welcome, first of all, if you're joining us online for the first time, we're glad that you are with us. But we're just beginning a season of transition from an incredible lead minister who served this church so well for the last 40 years. And by God's grace and Tom's leadership, Sherwood Oaks is a healthy place. We are not falling apart or in shambles. Far from it. And listen, we cannot take that for granted because I've talked to people who have been in my shoes, who have gone through transitions like this. And it was like walking into Jerusalem with the gates and the walls crumbled. Like it was a mess. That's not where we are. But hear me on this. This is no time for us to rest on our laurels. This is no time for us to sit back on the sidelines to see how it all shakes out. We cannot get comfortable and complacent. We must stay humble and stay hungry because eternity is at stake for people in our families, in our community, and around the world. Our mission is far too important to stop now. We want to continue to reach people with the hope and grace of Jesus. We want to serve like Jesus, love like Jesus, be the hands and feet of Jesus so that people may come to know, love, and follow Jesus. And for our church to continue making a kingdom impact in Bloomington and Bedford and around the world, it takes all of us doing our part, playing our role in the body of Christ that only we can play and making a difference in this world one life at a time. Much how Hope and Grace are doing that here in our church. Let's take a look at their video. 
Hi, everybody. I'm here with one of our awesome college students today, Hope Gummery. And so I just want to start out by Hope. I want you to just real quick, if you could introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about who you are. Hi, my name is Hope Gummery, and I am from here in Bloomington, um, but I also go to IU. Um, and so then in this fall semester, I'm going to be starting my sophomore year. Well, today's kind of dedicated to kind of focusing in on a lot of our college students who are just very involved here at Sherwood Oaks. So I am, in a, volunteer, am a volunteer in the middle and have been since, I guess, since I was a sophomore in high school. So I've gotten to be a table leader. Um, so I followed a group of girls from sixth grade through eighth grade. I guess now they're going to be sophomores in high school. Wow. Um, so it's been awesome to like have those relationships and now I'm with a new group of girls in the middle and so they're now going to be seventh graders and it's just been awesome to be able to lead and mentor. They just have so much insight and I feel like the Lord has just taught me a lot uh, through those girls more than I would have ever imagined. Yeah, I just would definitely like wouldn't be the same person that I am today without having started that in sophomore year of high school. Like, how do you manage your schedule? Like, you serve in such a great capacity, but you obviously have so many other things on your plate. So if you could just speak to that. That's something that, like, I prioritize a lot because just the way that I've seen it work, like, how I've grown in my own life and, like, the way that it can impact other people and, like, that pushes me out of my comfort zone and just, like, gives me an outlet to invest in, like, the next generation. And I think that's something that the Lord calls us to do. And I just think that's something that's worth prioritizing. And so just the way that like you can build relationships, the consistency and you're like being there and being present with the students, I think is just so important. Hope, thank you for joining us today. Once again, um, you're just such a tremendous blessing to our church, to our college community. I want to brag on that specifically, but <laughs> well beyond that, God's kingdom, Sherwood Oaks, Bloomington. And uh, we can't thank you enough for all the ways you serve. Hi, I'm Grace McKay, and I'm going to be a sophomore at Bloomington South this year. Can you speak to your um, relationship with Hope Gummery. So she was my leader when I started in sixth grade at the middle, and she was my leader for three years there. And um, now she still is there with Catalyst and everything. So she's been one of the small group leaders for the last three or four years. I've noticed that she's just a really good listener. Like she'll listen without interrupting and she'll ask lots of questions. And she, yeah, she's just always willing to pray about anything that I need. She comes to a lot of my games and events and shows her support for everything. So it just really shows that she truly cares and is willing to come and support me in anything. Well, Grace, um, I want to encourage you because I know you are a mentor to so many kids in our children's ministry. We love you. You're a huge blessing to our church, our student ministry, our community. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for having me. Man, I love that video so much. Uh, I want to tell you, if you're a college student and, and you're just kind of making your way into Sherwood Oaks as semester is getting started, uh, we are so glad that you are here. If you haven't had a chance yet to connect with our college ministry, uh, we encourage you to go to socc.org slash CYA. That's College Young Adult CYA. And we want to help you find a group where you can belong, a group that you can connect with. Um, but we also want to give you a place that you can serve. One of the reasons why I, I think I love that video so much is because it is a reminder that hope and grace, they, they are not the church of the future. They are the church of today. Like they are the church of right 
now. They are doing their part to build God's kingdom and to make a difference in the lives of others. And I can guarantee you, Grace McKay has more of an impact on those middle school girls than I ever will. And God bless her for that. (laughs) It takes everyone. Grace is not saying, oh, you know, I'm just going to wait until I'm a little bit older. I'm going to wait until I'm, you know, a little bit further along in life. No, she's jumping in and she is making a difference just as hope did for her and just as you can do for others. And so the question that I have is, what about you? Where are you serving? Who are you investing in and helping them grow in their faith? If you're not sure where to start or what what next step that you should take, I encourage you just to do what Nehemiah did. Just to pray. Pray until God breaks your heart for something or someone and then go out and do something about it. Pray for God to break your heart for something or for someone and then go out and do something about it. And as you go, invite others to come along with you. Our church is full of stories like that, whether it be uh, our, the faithful servants of our peacemaker sewing ministry who, who sew things together for the good of others and, and, and deliver them out as a ministry into our community. One of my favorite stories that came out of the peacemakers uh, is you know they, they had been making blankets, but, but what they found is that the blankets were just a little bit too big and that most people who were confined to a wheelchair, um, as they would move, the blankets would kind of get like wrapped up into the wheels and and they would have to tuck them around and uh, it just wasn't a great solution. And so they figured out how to make blankets for people in wheelchairs that were the size of their laps down to their legs, but fit within the arms so that they wouldn't have to worry about it getting um, caught up in the wheels. I love that someone had the initiative to say, this is what we can do. This is how we can make a difference. And they stepped out and they did something. We have a group of people at our Bedford campus that serve one night each week during the winter at our men's warming center. Many of them having never thought that they would do something like this. But they are there serving a warm meal to these men and giving them a safe place to stay. Our church is full of people who listen and respond to the call of God to go and build his kingdom here on earth earth. And I cannot wait to see how God continues to use this church to build his kingdom. And you might say, I don't know what I can do. I don't know if I'm ready. Here's my challenge to you, really to all of us. Just prayerfully act when you see a need around you this week. And pray to have eyes and ears and and a heart that is open to the needs of those around you this week. And when you see one, Pray about what you can do. One of my favorite parts about the account of Nehemiah is how much we see him pray. And it's not just like these big drawn out prayers like what we see in the Psalms. Oftentimes they're just like short one or two verse prayers. They're almost like breath prayers. It's as if Nehemiah is basically praying, Lord, show me what to do and then give me the courage to do it. Show me what to do and then give me the courage to do it. Man, maybe that's just a great place for you to start this week. God, show me what I can do and give me the grace to do it. I'm telling you, you never know when or how 
or what God is doing and how he is moving in someone's life and how he wants to use you in that to make a difference in the life of someone else, to give hope, to give a word of encouragement at just the right time. We live in a big, broken world filled with hurting people all around us. And if we are going to reach people for Christ and invite them into his family where they belong, it will take all of us doing our part to make it happen. I'll close with this. I've, I've often said, that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are a missionary. So like right now, if you're a follower of Jesus, I'm looking out at a sea of missionaries. And, and all of us, we have that commission that has been given to us to go out and to make disciples. And we oftentimes think of, of missionaries, of those who go overseas, who leave everything behind and go serve in some you know, remote jungle that they're never seen or heard from again. But all of us who are followers of Jesus, if that's you in this room, you are a missionary and your mission field is wherever you happen to find your feet. That is where you have been called to love and to serve, to bring the hope and the peace of Jesus. That is where you have been called to bring his kingdom and to invite others to follow him. The church is filled with missionaries, young and old, who have been sent out to our families, our community, our our schools, and our places of work. And by the Spirit of God living in us and leading us, we all have what we need to love and serve others together. Thank you for watching this message from Sherwood Oaks Christian Church. Did you know you can view any message from the past six years at socc.org messages? You can also view complete worship services from the past month at socc.tv.